Hey, it's me. Um, I'm just letting you know. Don't tell mom. They're they're making me go to the hospital, so I'm gonna get some uh, IV and fluids and stuff. And I don't know if I'm gonna spend the night or not. I just, I can't just stop throwing up and composing. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the On The Runs podcast. I might sound a little raspy to you all. I lost my voice over the Thanksgiving holiday, but we said one more, and we're going to get you one more before the end of the year in our Best Of series. Erica, what's going on? Not much, man. You're catching me at a nighttime again, so I apologize if I'm a little low energy for you guys, but I'm going to try my best. Well, that's kind of what we've been doing here lately. You know, where the boys go I to know. bed, 15 minutes later, we're recording. So, yeah, the virtual thing. It's good and it's easy and <laughs> I'll take it. It is great. So, hey, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, my God. I'm still digesting, I swear. Um, lots of food, lots of fun, lots of family and friends. How about you? Did you shove the food down your gullet? <laughs> John would be proud. Yes. So much food went in there. Uh, yeah, I'm still full, honestly. My How was yours? Mine was a little different than normal because, you know, family and everything. So we did it on Saturday. We did Thanksgiving Saturday. So my Thursday was very relaxing. We did nothing. We went to the gym in the morning and did the pool. Mm-hmm. And then we laid low, you know, didn't didn't do much. But my sister lives in New York City. My parents actually went hiking on Thanksgiving. They stayed up at one of the AMC huts. So we did oh, Thanksgiving cool. on Saturday at my parents' house. And that was a, I wouldn't call it a long day. I actually got a lot of work done around my parents' house. I sharpened my ice skates first time of the year. But the mm-hmm. big thing is I needed my dad's help with the camper. We winterized the camper. We got it all ready for the winter so the pipes don't freeze and we put the cover nice. over it. So got a lot of work done, did some dump runs, just did stuff, you know, and then we mm-hmm. ate Then we ate a lot of food. And then I had a food nice. coma and it was funny. I told my mom like, geez, I feel like you're pushing me out of the house and I haven't had a chance to really sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if I could wait two more hours and the boys would fall asleep in the car, then they'd go right to bed. But it was... um but every it was a long day for my mom and my sister. They really um they watched the kids the whole time when I was doing all the work outside, which I, I had to do. The work had to get done because yep. we are busy. And in two days, what's today? Tuesday, in three days, Friday morning, I'm flying to Florida again. So Yeah, you are. You got that big trip. This time I'm gonna go hang out with Mickey Mouse for a week. So I'm I'm excited <laughs> for that. I have not done any packing. We started packing the boys' stuff today, but I got to do some laundry after this. Do your kids know that they're going to Disney? Well, my boys are one and a half. Well, I know, but like Adeline. Adeline She's the one knows. who would get super excited. No, okay. she, she knows. We scheduled this back in February. And ah. so we didn't really do a countdown, but she knows and it's getting close and she's excited and it's going to be a blast. So we're spending a week there and I'm so excited. I've wanted to take her to Disney World since the day I found out I was having a kid. I can't right. wait. I think Disney World's the greatest, most happiest place on earth. And I loved it the four times I went as a kid, but I haven't been there in 22 years. I've only been twice in my life. The first time was when I was 18 years old. <laughs> oh, And the second time was uh, when I did the Dopey Challenge. So if I have any advice for you, 
Bring those UFOs. You're going to need them. You're going to be doing a lot of moving around. So thank, you want to be comfortable. Thank you for those UFOs. Can We'll tell everyone, you gifted me a pair of UFOs. I did. And I love them. They feel great. I wore them for pretty much the entire trip in Miami. But this is funny. I was talking to Nicole on the phone. Uh, we were talking mm-hmm. about um, some other things. So I told her about the UFOs. And they're not really the typical look of a shoe I would wear. Yeah. I'm more of a sneakers guy or work boot. And uh-huh. I said, like, they're really low profile. And I didn't even know if I should be wearing socks with them and because the socks kind of rose up. <laughs> and I'm like, this doesn't look good. And yep. I remember walking around Miami with shorts and the UFOs and I went, no socks. And I was trying to describe to Nicole how I felt. And she goes, you felt really European. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, they're European cut. <laughs> that's it. I just wasn't skinny European like a lot of them. I'm like fat European. <laughs> so uh, I love the it's UFOs. It's very Michael Scott. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. You wear that European cut shirt. <laughs> no. It's European cut. No, anyways, <laughs> Google it. So I love the UFOs. I really hope there'll be a new pair under the tree for me that maybe the sandal slides. I am really hoping there you go. it would be awesome. But you know, I would love that they, they make like a winter boot now. For, I saw that. Oh, I'm lusting after them. And it would be cool if they made something that looked a little more like a sneaker. But mm-hmm. I love them. I wear them around the office. Uh, they look great when I'm wearing pants, but it was just weird when I was wearing shorts. And I'm like, wait, do I wear socks? The socks don't look good with this. No, that's a bad <laughs> look. I go, no socks. And I'm like, okay, no socks looks a lot better, but this is not my style. I have never done this. I was out of my element. But maybe I fit in because I was in Miami. <laughs> They're fantastic. I'm really glad you like them because now you know why I'm so obsessed with them. <laughs> so it's honestly my pleasure because you've done so many awesome things for me this year. It was the least I could do is just show a little a little gratitude for my co-host. Well, thank you. And very, very good friend. Thank you. Very slash much. best friend. <laughs> Whoa. Breaking news. Best friend. Well, I tell you everything, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is a first, everyone. I'm the best friend. <laughs> Since 2008, we've been friends, and I just got into that best friend category. You know what? You're right up there. I always said in my life, <laughs> I have multiple best friends, and you're one of them. I got Tim in Georgia. I got Dave, who now lives in Texas. I have Dave from Plymouth. I have Steve from here. I have many best friends, and Erica, you are on that list. I will take it. Thank it, you. It Thank is you. great. We do tell each other everything. I mean, that's that's the the good part about having a podcast about poop where you have no filters anymore. And we talk every day. It's great. I love talking to you every mm-hmm. day. It's it's a blast. So yes, uh, best friends, BFFs. Yes, BFFs, BRFs that, too. That, and we just <laughs> we just, so, we just need to run more to be the BRFs. Well, we did just run together. Yes, we did. Uh, you got me out of bed on Thanksgiving morning in the freezing cold. It and was But we freezing. actually did it, everybody. We went out. At least the sun was out, but it was 27 degrees. Mm-hmm. And we went out and ran nice. the Great Gobbler in Nashua, the 5K. And one of our listeners came out that she heard the podcast and she's like, I'm going to come out too. I was so, so excited to see Lindsay there. Uh, she's just a ray of sunshine whenever I get together with her. She's just so much fun to hang out with. So I'm glad that we could inspire anybody else to get up on that freezing cold morning and come run with us. And, it was a blast. And we're going to do one more, but it's not going to be a race, but we're going to do Demented Santa. 
Yes, you just got to set that up. When I get back, when I get back, we'll set it up right around Christmas, maybe one or two days mm-hmm. before or one or two days after. I'm I'm leaning towards before, but we'll set it up. Mm-hmm. We already got Katie and Shauna on board. Yes. So we just got to set up the time. Lena, Lena's listening. She's thinking about it. Now she lives about an hour north of here. So does she really want to mm-hmm. come down here? Can get a little tricky, but we should try. It would be my first Demented Santa run, by the way. You you need to experience Demented Santa. He is something else, let me tell you. Well, I can't wait for that. So I think we need to get to our interview. Yeah, man. Let's let's jump right in. So you guys heard the voicemail that we opened the podcast with. Hey, don't tell mom. So that's kind of funny <laughs> because originally when I played that voicemail for you, he did not want me to play it or at least to play that part. So I edited it out. This was a few episodes ago. And then he's like, okay, mm-hmm. the time has passed. You can put it out there. But he's not the only one. So quick story, 20-second story here. When I worked in NASCAR, I got run over by a car. My own driver ran me over. I went up and over the hood. I landed on the back of the car on the spoiler. It looked like I got stabbed 10 times in my back from the spoiler. I broke my wrist, oh my, my foot. I broke three fingers, all the cartilage. I probably had a really bad concussion, but uh, that that wasn't diagnosed at the time. And mm-hmm. when I told dad, hey, text dad, hey, don't tell mom. <laughs> but I got run over. I'm okay. I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. And I, I kind of said the don't tell mom because I don't want her to watch it on TV, which then I'm mad later because it never made it on TV. <laughs> I wanted to be on ESPN's not top 10. Oh, man. I was so bummed out. So it's not the first time someone said, hey, don't tell mom. We just don't want her to worry. So I was about to ask you that if it was whether you didn't want her to worry or if, or if you thought she was going to get mad at you for some reason. So he, I'm glad it's just the worrying. Aspect. Yeah, he didn't want me to tell her right then. Because he's on his way to the hospital. And you guys are going to get to hear that story. So we had my brother on. This was great. We were originally going to do a quick 20-minute recap because my mom and my sister wanted to hear about the race. And they're like, you should go on Eric's podcast and do it. And we had no notes. And we just rolled. And it rolled Mm -hmm. for an hour and a half plus. And I had to edit it down a little bit. So it was a ton (laughs) of fun talking to Alex. And, And my brother, Alex, he can talk. You think I can talk. He can talk. Well, when you get into the topics that you really love, yeah, the, the words just flow. So it, it does not surprise me that we went really, really long with his interview. So let's get to his interview. And then after the interview, we're going to do a few thank yous because it's our last episode of the year. And we're going to tell you a few things to expect for next year. And we'll get to that after. So everyone, enjoy the interview with Alex. We'll see you on the other side. Our next guest was born at Parkland Medical Center in Derry, New Hampshire. He grew up in Sandown, New Hampshire. He went to high school in Plastown, New Hampshire. He grew up playing ice hockey and soccer and lacrosse, went to the University of New Hampshire and did crew. None of this time was he ever a runner. Then he moves out to the West Coast, Lake Tahoe, to be a ski bum. And eventually, at one point, he became a runner. Yes, everybody, I'm talking about my brother, Alex Knutnan. Welcome to the On The Runs podcast. Um, stoked to be here. About time we've had uh, half the family on the show. I'm being outnumbered by the Knutonins right now. <laughs> Mom has been asking for this to happen for a while. And even before the voicemail that we shared a couple weeks ago and someone goes, hey, when are we going to hear the story about that voicemail? I've been getting a few of those texts now and messages about the voicemail or about someone like Scott. When are we going to hear the next part? 
People have been actually asking about their voicemail, Alex, and let's get to it. But first, let's break the ice here, especially for Erica, because Erica, I think this is the first time you met my brother. (laughs) I've actually met your brother many years ago back in college, but we won't get into that. That's right. I remember that. That is okay. (laughs) Mom would, yeah, that's right. Mom would be like, you should invite your brother to Plymouth State and let him hang out and see what it's like. But Alex... I never got an invitation to UNH. You were, you were too old at that time. <laughs> Lame. When I was when I was in school, it was time for our younger sister Hannah to come up to uh, college and hang out. <laughs> she was she was way too young. What were you doing bringing her to UNH? You know, I don't actually know if she ever came. To be completely honest, it's most mostly a blur. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I think Hannah and Mom came one time to. University of New Hampshire when they had lost power for about two weeks and they couldn't shower. So they came to shower at my apartment and they said that they would rather be dirty than to ever use my shower. So I don't think <laughs> Hannah ever came back after that. <laughs> How gross are you guys? What? <laughs> We're just guys. We're dudes. We're normal. I guess. I guess. Yeah. So I'm, I'm much cleaner now than I was in college. I will say that for sure. I grew up a little bit in those last couple of years. For being such a <laughs> ski bum that you were, though, why do you go to UNH and not a place like Plymouth? You know, I actually, I, UNH was the last place I wanted to go. I actually didn't even want to apply to UNH, but my mom made me apply just as a backup. I'd applied to uh, University of Montana and Bozeman, a couple other places to go skiing, and I don't know. In the end, I think a little bit was, you know, finances, in-state tuition was nice. Uh, one of my best friends, Johnny, was going and we figured we could uh, bunk up what we did for four years. And uh, it was comfortable. I think moving across country at 18 was a little little intimidating. Uh, so that's what brought me to the University of Hampshire. And um, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. I don't regret going there by any means. I'm actually stoked about it. And I tell everybody who wants to go there, it's an amazing school. And there's so many opportunities in sports and, and in the outdoors. Uh, so I'm very glad, actually, uh, our mother told me to apply to, as a backup <laughs> plan because the backup plan ended up being probably one of the better, better decisions. So it took you a few years, but you eventually did move out west. So what is it like living in California right now? Uh, California is amazing, I got to say. I live in – well, there's a lot of different Californias. It's a big mm-hmm. state, let's be honest here. So I live in Lake Tahoe. So I'm in the north north part of California, right on the uh, Nevada state line. I'm in the California side of Lake Tahoe. It's split between both states. Mm-hmm. So I still get seasons. It's not that L.A. sun every single day. You know, I have uh, six months of winter ski season. I have fall I have a beautiful spring. I have one of those amazing summers. So you 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 still get the seasons that you're used to it, growing up in New England, uh, but it's it's just it's sunshine 300 plus days out of the year. You know, it might snow two and a half feet, and the next day it is bluebird and 35 degrees. Uh, it might rain like crazy one day, and then it is bluebird and 75 the next day. So it is always sunny. It is always beautiful. The access to terrain in Northern California is amazing. So living in Tahoe, obviously. Uh, mountains, a lot to do. You have the high desert to the south and the eastern Sierras, which has incredible running, incredible skiing. Uh, to the north, you have Shasta. Uh, to the west, we have uh, San Francisco and Marin, uh, John Muir Wilderness and the trails there, and the beach is just amazing. So from a, a geographical point of view, Northern California is absolutely amazing, especially if, if you're a runner or a cyclist or a skier or any sort of mountain athlete. There's there's so many options that you can get to in, in just a couple hour drive that it's 
it's it's been it's been home for me for almost 10 years now uh yeah that's I've crazy loved, i've loved every bit of it yeah i've only so made it like out. an active person's paradise though like so exactly. you ski you just got into running uh what else do you do well i sell wine that is my job uh which being in california is a great place to sell wine as you know a lot of our wineries are based here and that gives me the mm-hmm. freedom to sort of make my own schedule uh, but my primary sports are are skiing and and now running backcountry skiing uh mostly we spend a lot of time off resorts hiking in the wilderness and and finding our own summits and our own ski lines uh skiing uh transitioned pretty well into running that's actually how i got into running and and then slowly into ultra running was was kind of through that community um, I do a lot of lifting, a lot of fitness, but I'd say for the most part, skiing and running, those are the two seasons and six months of, uh, pounding trails and six months of, uh, going up mountains. All right. Back up. That's a good balance. You've good only, balance. you've only been selling <laughs> wine for about two years for the first eight years. What were you really doing? I was a bartender. You uh, were you, bartending since I was 19. Let me correct you. Okay. you. You were a ski bum for the last eight years. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's different, uh, different levels of ski bar. but yeah sure did, did i put myself in a position that i could work and ski make great money i'm not mad i'm skiing every year i'm not absolutely i'm envious yep, yep, yep. i'm envious yeah. you're living you it's you and louie louie is his dog by the way you tell us about louie in a second it's you and louie you would bartend at in the evening and you would ski deep pow every day and you would send snapchats and pictures and everything Every day. How much snow is there right now? By the way, it is November 22nd. How much snow is on the ground? Uh, enough that most of the ski resorts are open. Uh, at my house, we might only about half a foot. It snowed a little bit about a week and a half ago, but the sun, the beautiful California sun has been uh, <laughs> eliminating some of that. But the, the resorts are open. We were out in the backcountry last week. Uh, but yeah, no, the first seven years in Tahoe, I was a bartender and a bar manager. I actually was the beverage manager for Squaw Valley, now Palisades, uh, resort in Tahoe. So I would make my own schedules. So Saturday, Sunday, I would bartend the day shift when the mountains were busy and make money. And then Monday through Friday, get up, ski pow all day, come back, hang out with the dog and then bartend all night. And I did that on repeat for, yeah, close to seven years until I started selling wine. Uh, you get to a point where staying up late and uh, getting up early is it can get tough on you. So then I, I transitioned to the wine sales business, and the great thing about that is if you're doing well, uh, the company is kind of laissez-faire. They let me make my own schedule and sell the wine that I can, and I do well enough that they don't say, "Hey, Alex, you shouldn't be out there skiing today on Tuesday at three o'clock," because as long as you sell and as long as your numbers are great, you get to do what you want to do. So I, I put myself in a good position where if I need to do a long run on a Wednesday or ski some deep power on a Thursday. I can do it. You won a pretty big award too about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, I won one of the sales reps of the year in uh, for our company in California. Not a big deal. Are you hiring? Are you hiring? <laughs> We're always hiring. <laughs> Are you no. looking for a new job? I'll keep that in mind. Um, I want to just do what you do. <laughs> I want to be active and not have to be in an office and all that stuff. But I love my you job. Know- for instance, uh, I, I was up a little late last night painting the bathroom in my house. So I slept in this morning, got up about 7.30, walked the dog, went to the gym, got on the treadmill for about an hour, did a Peloton uh, run on the treadmill, hit the sauna for about 30 minutes, came back, had breakfast, probably started working at about 11.30, uh, and then worked for about 
three thirty. I'm now on vacation for the Thanksgiving holiday and hit the gym again. And now I'm with you guys. So you know, benefits of making your own schedule. You got to you know have all the fun. You're welcome for that Peloton that, app. That by doesn't the way. suck. Ooh, that's right. You're he's brand new to the Peloton app. He uh, took a. Well, I guess you didn't really take my account, but you took a two-month free trial off of my account or something, right? I did. With the snow falling and my running season uh, being extended a couple months, is, I guess I will say it, I, I need to get on the treadmill. And so I bought a gym membership to start using the treadmills. And you can only run listening to Taylor Swift's new album so many times that you need to <laughs> start to do something new so yeah i downloaded the peloton app and uh Taylor Swift. Some, some days are just just an easy run sometimes i'll do the peloton workouts and uh yeah it's it's been beneficial to, to keep your mind moving when you're just looking at a wall for an hour two hours three hours on the treadmill all right Eric. do you have any favorite trainers do you have any favorite trainers I, I I gotta be honest. I think Bex Gentry is the only one I even look for. <laughs> <laughs> we are big Bex fans over here, so <laughs> you're she in good company. To, she talked about hockey for 15 minutes on the one I listened to. It was fantastic. Whoa! What one was that? Uh, Erica probably knows. Yeah, yeah. She she also loves F1 racing, which is like I actually like it because my boyfriend likes it and he got me into it, and I think it's super interesting. And I'm like, that's just so random. I mean, she's just super cool, so. Yeah, you got some fans over here, too. We're big fans of Bex. How did you, if you just downloaded the app, how did you learn about Bex? You know, I had actually got on the Peloton Tread 2, the one they stopped making. A couple of months ago, I have a buddy who makes it. And the first day on it, I just plopped up, saw her. I was like, hey, she's really cute. Why not? Uh, And was like, (laughs) this is the most fun I've ever had on treadmill in my life. Uh, And then I looked at how expensive those treadmills were. And I was like, ooh, Um, and I had to use the app since actually. So I just, I just popped up, saw her. It was like, Oh, I've, I've done one with her, found a, a log class and, and I just started using it. Yeah. I just use the app on I'm my phone. Sure I will start to, I'll start to find some other people and switch it up a little bit yeah. as I get into it. More. I just use the app on my phone. I throw it on the treadmill at work and I, I use that for it. Matt, Matt Whipplers is the only other one to use on running. I'll give you that. It's Bex or Matt. I've heard he's fantastic. He, yeah. he is. He is great. So, Let's get into why we got you on. We got you on because of a voicemail, and we're going to play that voicemail later, but let's backtrack to 2017 when you started to take running seriously. About the same time you saw me do an Ironmans, and you're like, huh, I want to be more like my brother. Like you've always been. You just want to be like your big brother. Tell us how you got into all this. Yeah, so... um my entire life, I've just always looked up to Eric for everything. And no matter what he did, I had to do it too, whether it was hockey or skiing or, yeah. No, 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 no. Actually, Eric and I did have a, uh, we, we played a lot of the same sports. Continue. Keep going. Fun. No, you were on, you were on a good, <laughs> good track there. So actually it was winter of, uh, winter of 2017. One of my really good friends, Kyle had moved in and was living with me and we were spending a lot of time in the backcountry. and he was an ultra runner. He was a runner growing up, was a cross country athlete in high school and, just an absolute maniac, incredibly fit, can move quickly all day long. So uh, after a year of uh, backcountry skiing with him, I, I'd probably been in the best shape I'd been in since being a rower at the University of New Hampshire. And early in that summer, uh, he and his girlfriend at the time, they were doing a 50K race. It's called the Broken Arrow Sky Race at Squaw Valley. So I went that morning to just to support him and to kind of see him off. So I was there at 6.30 and you know, there's three, four or 500 people. It's one of the largest races in California. Uh, it's a multi-day race. And I, I watched them go off and start running up the mountain. And just that, 
like energy of the race like got a hold of me and i was like oh my god this is amazing like i miss racing even though i was never a runner i, I was a, a, a rower and i just kind of missed that competitive uh sport so i'm sitting there going man like what I, I need to do something like this and of course i look up and 20 feet away is this big banner and it says spartan world championship squaw valley september and I'm like, huh, all right. So I Google it real quick, and it's, you know, 17-mile mountain course, obstacles, the whole nine. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm in shape. You know, I, I lift, and I, I, I ski up, uh, up and down mountains all day. I'm going to do this. So I signed up for it. And I, I signed up for the race, like, that day, bought new running shoes, and then bought a pull-up bar all on the same day. I put the pull-up bar on the, the porch of my house. Yeah, I got the running shoes, and I just started – I started running. My first run was up Squaw Valley and I made it maybe 30 seconds up the auto road before I was, you know, hands on my knees, just dying. <laughs> so I ended up running too much those first two, three months that I gave myself shin splints like everybody who gets into it. Mm-hmm. So then I bought a road bike and then I got on the road bike and I was obsessed. And all I was doing was riding, you know, 200, 250, 300 miles a week, just constantly until I could get my shins better. Uh, I spent the whole summer training, getting into great shape. I went to the world championship uh, Spartan race. I competed in the elite category. So they had two. They had the world championship round, which you more or less had to win uh, a race leading up to that to get into it. And then everybody else was in the elites. Uh, So I wasn't in the high, high, high end realm. But I finished second place. I actually performed. The race was just over 17 miles. It was up and down the mountain twice. I did really well. Yeah. And I was sitting there, you know, a couple days after going, you know, a marathon has always seemed well out of my reach. Like I never thought about doing a marathon ever in my life. I always said that's too much. I went, I just ran 17 miles up and down a mountain on trails, doing pushups and burpees and throwing axes and lifting up rocks. Like, you know what? I think I could do a marathon. I'm going to sign up for one. So I was just looking all around and there was happy to be a marathon in Massachusetts, a half an hour from where I grew up during the time I was going to be going home to visit. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do that one. Let's do that marathon. It was a trail marathon. Uh, it was called the um, – I can't remember what it's called actually. Uh, maybe it's Mad Madcap Trail Races. I'm not quite sure. So I ended up doing this six-week road trip with my friend and a dog through the Pacific Northwest before I went to New Hampshire. So for those six weeks, uh, I was just trail running everywhere, whether we were at Shasta or Rainier or Mount St. Helens. I remember I did a half marathon on the trails. Uh, Glacier National Park, I was running. Jackson, I was running. Uh, when I was went to Ohio, I went for runs. So I, I got to do this great training block through the Everyone wants to run in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember just being like, I'm staying at a buddy's house in Cleveland. I'm like, well, I have 10 miles on the docket today. I got to do it. So I did it. And then went home and did that race and finished that marathon. It was a trail marathon. And I got done being like, yeah, that was hard, but. You know, an ultra marathon is only six and a half more miles. Like maybe <laughs> I could do an ultra marathon, but I I think I ran one more day after that marathon, and then didn't put on running shoes until the following summer. And then that summer, I had races lined up. I was going to do this race and that race and this marathon and this ultra. And maybe two to three months in, my hips were killing me. My ankles were killing me. I I couldn't I couldn't move well. I had signed up for my first ultra marathon two weeks after my first half Ironman. And I made it about 12 miles into the race before I had to pull out at a DNF. My hip was on fire. I couldn't move. I was in so much pain and I was just trying to do too much. I, I didn't learn how to run. I, I hadn't hired a coach. I hadn't 
you know, ease my way into it. Here I am at 195 pounds, just running through the mountains as hard as I can all the time, not taking it progressively and, and learning. So that, that next year was sort of, I learned a lot from mistakes. We'll say that. And I've made a lot of mistakes through running. And that year I made a dozen mistakes. And the following year I hired a running coach and I said, listen, I've never been a runner. I've never been trained how to run. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm fit. And I really enjoy being on trails, but I want to run an ultra marathon. And so I, this coach helped me throughout that year. We ran together uh, about every other week. We had a group run every Wednesday. And he put me on a plan that got me to my first ultra marathon, which was one of the most exciting and fantastic things I'd done. And then from there, like every other runner, you just get hooked. And then it's another one. And then it's another one. And then before you know it, you want to travel to a race. And now I actually, I think after, you know, four or five years, I actually will say, yes, I am a runner. I, I still feel weird. It's, I feel like I'm lying sometimes, but yeah, I would say I'm a runner now finally after, after four or five years of it. Well, you know, and I don't see you every day, of course, I see you maybe once a year, but for the longest time, you and I and me still today, we don't look like runners. So it's weird to say we're, we're a runner sometimes, right? Because you look at it like a guy just looked at me in Miami goes, you're a runner? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you just went for a run? How many miles you do? I just did six miles. No big deal. You're a runner? Like, See, you can't, you can't go by looks, though. That is like the number one rule. Just because you don't look like a runner doesn't mean you're not a runner. If you run, you're a runner. So you got to own up for it. And I, yeah, and I agree. But it, again, sometimes like Alex is saying, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I'm a runner. It's like, well, we run, but we bike and we play hockey and we hike and we, we do everything. So we're a little bit of it all. Right. But it's, you didn't run in high school or anything, but yeah, it's just, no, neither, neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> I none never, of us did. I never ran in high school, but Eric, what I think it is, is we don't look like fast runners no well that's because, that's what i always say when somebody says you don't look like a runner i'm like oh i just don't look like a fast runner well, it's, I'm a, it's actually I'm a 195 fact. pounds i eat a lot of food i lift <laughs> a lot of weights most of my friends would say the same thing you don't look like a runner but you know what that's totally fine and like erica said it doesn't matter if you're 120 pounds 220 320 pounds if you put shoes you lace them up you get out there and you're running you're a runner. Right. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's what matters. And that's what makes it fun, too, in the community, because not everyone who you see at a race looks like a runner. I had actually... Uh, we got to get I rid of that looks like a runner, out. you know, vocabulary. We're just all runners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had... I was uh, volunteering at an aid station for the Castle Peak 100K. So it was a 100-kilometer race in uh, Truckee, California. And it was a super hot day. We were one of the aid stations that was at the bottom of the hill uh at the lake it was just a down and back they had to travel 1500 feet down get water from us and turn back and it was hot so i'd have my shirt off and i'm helping people and this one super skinny runner guy is looking at me he goes you can't be a runner your arms are too big for that and i remember <laughs> laughing hysterically because the first 100 runners that came through were all you know 120 140 160 pounds skinny little people who looked like they couldn't lift up a barbell and i went it's okay i, I still like running but i can still lift up a barbell so it's okay with me nice it's rude <laughs> who says that to people <laughs> like what People who think yeah, they're the, real the runners. Romans. It's the people who think they're the real Romans. runners. They're real hardcore runners. They're the ones who say it. Mm. Not the ones that we have you on know, the podcast. <laughs> we... you know, biceps win races. That's what I've been saying for years. <laughs> you got to use those arms to propel yourself forward. You're not wrong. 
That's yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So let's go into that first ultra that you ran. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so I had signed up for this ultra, and I don't know why I did this. Uh, it was about thirteen days at half Ironman, and I had never done a I never done an Ironman or triathlon ever. So I did this half Ironman in Santa Rosa, and then thirteen days later, there at the starting line of the Warren Lake fifty k on the east shore of Lake Tahoe. And I made it about five miles before my hip was hurting. I made it about 10 miles before I couldn't run very well. And at the 12 mile mark, I had, I, I said, this is it. If I keep going any farther, this isn't just going to, it's not running through pain. It's just going to be, this is going to cause an injury. And I'd rather, I'd rather pull the plug now and continue running than create some serious damage into my hip here. And most of that was just because I was, uh, I, I wasn't balanced. I wasn't doing the stretches and the, uh, the, the workouts that I was supposed to be doing in order to keep a strong core, strong glutes, uh, and have a properly moving body. I was just getting on the bike and hammering and getting on the trail and hammering. And I wasn't focusing on the little things that I needed to, to get to that distance. So I had pulled out of that one. So the following year I hired a coach. I said, you know, if I really want to get this done, I need somebody to help me that knows what they're doing. You know, pure grit and determination can get you through a 5k, a 10k, Hey, maybe even a marathon, but an ultra marathon through the mountains, you need to really fully prepare. So I hired a coach. It was through, it was through run on dirt coaching here in Northern California and, uh, Michelino Sinceri, who was a local, uh, local guy here in Tahoe. Uh, he, he runs for the North face right now, pro runner, absolutely amazing athlete and has helped me throughout the years. So he started coaching me and this was 2020. So I had signed up for an ultra marathon that was then canceled. And I signed up for another ultra marathon, which was then canceled again. And I finally signed up for uh, an ultra marathon in San Francisco that was supposed to be in November and leading up to that one canceled again, but I've been training mm -hmm. all summer. I, I wanted to get this done. I didn't want to spend another year training on this. So I grabbed a buddy, my buddy, Kyle, who got me into running in 2017. And I said, Dude, we're going to go run an ultra marathon. I want you to come with me. I want to run it with you. We're going to self-support it. Let's go. And he's like, done. So we found this amazing course in Tahoe. It was a point to point. It was exactly 31.5 miles. And about three days before we ran, it snowed about two feet. And I just was like, oh my God, the world is trying to make me not run this ultra marathon. I want to get it done. So we pulled an audible. I just went online and I found a course. It was the North Face 50K course. The race wasn't going on due to COVID. So I downloaded the course to my watch. I researched it. I found where there was a water fountain. I found where there was a second water fountain. And I found where we could store some water. And we filled our vests up with as many snacks as we could. And we drove to the start line, parked my car, turned our watches on and said, let's go. And then we spent the next six hours running the, the North Face 50K course through John Muir Wilderness through uh, Mount Tamalpais, uh, filled up some water, did everything self-support on our own, ran across the Golden Gate Bridge, got to the end at 32 and a half miles is what it ended up being, stopped our watches and said, great, awesome. And we called an Uber and Ubered back to my car at the beginning <laughs> of the course. And I said, done. I just ran an ultra marathon. It wasn't an official race, but I got the distance done. Uh, and I, I gave it, you know, the best effort that I could and it hurt. And the next day I was feeling, I was feeling it that day too, but I was so excited. I was so elated. And of course, in that moment, I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't know if I ever need to do an ultra marathon ever again. You know, I got it done. I got the marathon. I got the ultra cool. Now I can go back to, you know, just running five K's and lifting weights. And I think it was like two days later, I was like, oh, I can't wait to sign up for another one. 
like, what can I do next year? What race should I do? <laughs> and, and then I, I felt like all winter, even though I was skiing, I was just kind of itching like, oh, I can't wait to get out and do another ultra marathon. I'm like, can I go farther? Could I do a 50 mile? Could I do a hundred K? Maybe in five years. Before you know it, like every distance seems a little more approachable. Like, you know, in 2017, I never thought about running a marathon. At that point, running that, that Spartan race is 17 miles. I was like, this is, I don't think I can do that. You run that, then you run a marathon. You're like, yeah, I could do an ultra. And then you run an ultra and you're like, maybe I can go farther. And it continues. And that, that itch really took a hold of me. And that sort of propelled me because the next year I signed up for, I think, four ultra, three ultra marathons and a half Ironman. And, and I did those throughout that year. And then again, the next year came along. And every year I've just wanted to do more and do more and progress more and more. And, and it's been one of the most like fun experiences. I never thought that signing up for a, Spartan obstacle course race would put me in this position where I'm obsessed with running long distances, but it totally did. And I'm really excited that it happened. I feel like you would be awesome. Like you should come next year and do the hamster wheel with us. Cause we're going to try to get a huge group together and you can reach some hella good distances from that. So that I, I the, feel like we should put that on your radar loops, loops that, on loops on loops, loops. loops. <laughs> You're going to get bored out of your mind, but who so, knows? You could reach some, uh, it some will good be, distances. You it, want that buckle? 100-mile buckle? Alex, it yeah, will be, it will yeah, be like the 24 <laughs> hours of Great Glen when we did that. And Dad was there, and we took the camper, and Dad cooked all the food, and he was crew support. Yeah. If you go there, and I do the race, and you do the race, it will be like 24 hours of Great Glen. Mm -hmm. Adeline will come and cheer us on Lots after her fun. cheer competition. <laughs> we'll have a whole on-the-run set up. John will be there. John, if you I don't know if you heard the episode yet, but John was the best from Canada. So we'll, we'll... Yep. It, it it might take a lot of really good cooking to get me there. The idea of running the <laughs> same course for hours on end is not completely appetizing for me. Even races, if it's like an out and back or multiple loops, I'm a little like, eh, you know. I found <laughs> I found for me running on top of you know being a great way to just stay fit. Uh, it's the adventure and living in California. That's one of the most fun parts about running is you can see a lot. And, and I don't necessarily say, okay, you know, I need to go run for this many miles or do this workout or, you know, repeats on this. It's, it's more or less, okay, can I start here and then get to that mountain and then down to that Canyon and then back to that mountain and then run that Ridge and then get back here. So it's just more of this like sense of adventure. It's like, how much can I see? Where can I go? You know, I've been piecing together parts of the PCT and the Tahoe rim trail and trying to create these really fun loops and courses and 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 uh adventures it's you know and like an adventure running way so <laughs> running one one mile course over and over and over again sounds a little crazy but if if dad's there cooking enough good food uh maybe maybe it's something i would go and do maybe i'll just go and support you guys and, and, and hold a sign and and uh, change your shoes when you need some help but we'll, we'll see well what's good about this one it's the hamster wheel is four miles per lap. So it's a little bit better than one mile, but you had mentioned your first 50 K because everything was canceled due to COVID. Um, I did my first 50 K virtually too. And a friend of mine picked out the course. And I don't know if you're familiar with doors, doors pond in Manchester, Livingston park. Um, there is like a one mile loop. And we did that 31 and a half times. <laughs> oh. like, that was our ultra marathon. And it was, pretty miserable but i mean it got the mileage done that's a... and now the hamster <laughs> that was not wheel the most is fun. a is a timed 
course you have a, a what 24 hours you have a certain number of hours yeah so have you ever heard of uh big's backyard yes yep that's every every hour on the hour you every have to do a lap right on the hour. that that seems very interesting that race seems a little more interesting to me it's 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 yes. last runner standing you go until there is no more left and i think and this mm-hmm. year they set the record i believe it was it was over 300 miles was insane what, was what the winner went for you know, a couple of days on end you know so it's, I wasn't it's, it a couple of belgians who I'm have the record sure. now or something? I read it and forget, but it's yeah, it's a four point one one two 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 mile course <laughs> along that. Yeah, and you run it on the hour every hour. So you start at one o'clock, and then at two o'clock you do it again. And if you finish at two thirty, you have a half an hour to rest. If you finish at two fifty five, you have five minutes to rest. And you run that course on the hour every hour until nobody makes it to the start line again. And actually, I believe two people tied this year. Or actually, in in classic fashion of big who puts these on i I don't believe they even gave a winner because there wasn't one person who continued i believe (laughs) you can double check me on this both the final runners quit the same time so there's no official winner they're both second place i think you're right that sounds familiar to me (laughs) no ties what the hell he's the same guy who does uh barkley marathons oh yeah laz laz lake yeah that's the one so Mm -hmm. he's he's the guy who does bigs yep yep He's freaking, uh, <laughs> and just insane. I just, I can never do that. That is way outside of my wheelhouse. I can't even do what you do. The mountains just, I'm not a mountainous person, but. <laughs> you say you can't. It's just the next logical thing to do. You're going to go bigger and better. I, I'll do mileage, but I want to find me some road ultras. Like, I don't know. Uh, I want bad water. Ultras. I want bad water, actually. Badwater sounds amazing. Road mm-hmm. ultras sound absolutely awful. I've never run a road marathon in my life. I've probably run 30, 40 runs over the marathon distance and not a single one on pavement. They maybe have had small sections of <laughs> pavement. Uh, I, I love the mountains. There's something about being in the trails and gaining elevation and uh, just kind of summit bagging over and over and over. You get to one summit, you get back down, you hit the next one, you come back down, you hit the next one. I mean, if a trail is flat, I don't want it. I want to be going up or down. Flat pavement is if I like like running on the treadmill right now right now is the death of me. I have that thing on <laughs> incline, like just to feel some some ascension going on. Yeah, there's there's a time in my life I know where I will get into road running, but not yet. I'm still I'm addicted to the mountains. I'm addicted to being in the wilderness with with nobody around. I mean, when you get you go to a park and there's a lot of people, but then you get two miles out, there's less. You get four miles out, there's less. You get out there. I can. I've spent. I've spent five, six hours running where I've never seen a soul. Not a single person out there. I just bring my cell phone and a little satellite phone if something happens. But you are in the wilderness by yourself, and I don't think there's a better feeling than getting into a good rhythm and feeling fit and running well in the mountains by yourself. It's it's an unbelievable experience. Good for you. <laughs> I wish I was more like that. I really do. One day, Erica. One day, the next uh, logical step. I'm not going to count it out, but who knows. All right, Alex, before we get to your code Browns, let's talk about why we really brought you on the voicemail that we played a couple weeks ago. And let's get into that race. So let's preview this real quick. Let's 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 go to the end. Let's play the voicemail and then we'll go back in time. I haven't heard this. This would be interesting. Hey, it's me. Um, I'm just letting you know. Don't tell mom. They're they're making me go to the hospital, so I'm gonna get some uh 
IV and fluids and stuff. And I don't know if I'm making sure that I'm not. I, just, I can't just stop throwing up and composing. Uh, and I've been awake for like 30 hours straight. So don't tell mom. I'll come in the morning. I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. Uh, they, but they, yeah, they wouldn't let me stop. I just want to let you know. Um, so yeah, it's birth of Vallarta, the hospital. Is there on, is there La Jolla? The hospital is La Jolla in Puerto Vallarta. Um, I'll call you when I'm out. All right, buddy. All right. Now let's, let's, let's go back in time here. Wayne's World. All right. Where were you and what were you doing? Tell us about the UMTB whatever Mexico. Uh, UTMB. Puerto Vallarta 100K, the Hercury 100K uh, ultra marathon, and in, in, yes, in beautiful, hot, humid Mexico. Well, I just want to say, so the hot and the humid, that was your downfall. So, oh man. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about the UTMB. I thought, I originally thought that it was just that one race in France, but they have a whole series. So what else do they have besides Puerto Vallarta? Yeah, so UTMB Ultra Trails Mont Blanc is a, it's more than just a race. So there is UTMB Mont Blanc, which is, let's call it the Super Bowl of ultra running in the world. Mm. And here in the United States, we have the Western States, which actually starts about 10 minutes from my house. And in the rest of the world, and more or less for the world, it's UTMB Mont Blanc. It's a little over 100 mile race that circumnavigates Mont Blanc through France, Italy, and Switzerland. So UTMB also puts on a series of races throughout the year. And that is actually how you qualify one of the best and easiest ways to qualify and get into UTMB. You don't just sign up and go to UTMB or uh, which is the 100 mile. They have OCC and they have CCC. They have uh, 100K, 50K uh, disciplines as well. So throughout the year, you can go to races complete the race and get what's called running stones. It's more or less a lottery ticket. So when you complete a race, you get one, two or three stones, and then you can enter those stones into the lottery to be selected to then go to and run one of those races. Uh, Or if you're a professional athlete and you win, generally if you win a race, you get uh, an automatic entry fee or automatic entry. I don't believe you can be, even if you are the best pro in the world at this moment, I still believe they make you qualify. So even if I was the best ultra runner ever, there are still races I would have to do to qualify. I can be wrong on that, but uh, I believe mm-hmm. that's what it is. So I actually had zero intention of, I want to say I have zero intention, but had zero intention of going to uh, to UTMB. I didn't go to Puerto Vallarta in order to gain stones to this. I just wanted to run a 100K. I had, mm-hmm. I had one race on the docket this year in June. It was the Broken Arrow Sky Race. It is a 50K race through Squaw Valley, two laps. It's 10,000 vertical feet of climbing all trail through 31 miles. The the course is a little short just due to some construction. And I'd spent the three weeks beforehand uh, leading up to it in Chamonix and in Italy. I was out there on vacation. And if you're going to be vacationing in Chamonix, you're going to bring running shoes. And when you're doing the coast of Italy and there's mountains and beautiful trails, going to bring you running shoes so i spent a couple weeks just running uh running through europe came back performed pretty well did better than the year before in the broken arrow sky race and then at that point i I hadn't signed up for anything and i had no races on my schedule i was gonna do a summer of just kind of adventure running and point to points and 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 building out courses that i wanted to complete but i decided i really want to run farther than 50k so i just spent a couple days on the internet like looking for 50 milers and 100 k's throughout you know north america more or less and 
there was nothing that really caught my eye, nothing that really made me like want to go do it. I thought about you know JFK 50, but the plane tickets were expensive. And once I finished the race, what am I going to do in Maryland? You know, no offense to Maryland, but you know, <laughs> it's not a tropical. No, thing. it's a fair, it's a fair so, statement. Yeah. So I, I saw UTMB Puerto Vallarta, and I don't even know where Puerto Vallarta was in Mexico. I had to kind of Google it. I'm like, oh, it's on the coast. Awesome. The first year they were doing the race, so it wasn't overly expensive. Uh, it was under $300. I got a round-trip ticket for about $330, and it was $500 for a six-night stay in an Airbnb. I said, great, I can go to this race for 1000 bucks. Let's go. I didn't really know leading up to it what the course was going to be like, what the heat humidity was going to be like, whether there's going to be snakes and tarantulas. Uh, and and I found out pretty quickly in that race that it was very difficult. And, and a lot of people afterward I've talked to, like, you decided to do a UTMB 100K for your first 100K like that. That wasn't smart. And I go, well, I see why now. Uh, so it that just, I just kind education. of signed up for it on a whim. And, and it wasn't a race that had been going on for years where people said, okay, the course is like this, the climbing is like this, the, the weather is like this. Everybody was going to this as an unknown. You know, nobody had done it before. And I tried very hard to not overthink it. I just trained hard. We had a heat wave. I knew it would be hot. We had a heat wave about a month and a half before in California. So I would go out at 2 o'clock and run in 90 degrees. Granted, mm. very little humidity. And I'd go run in the heat, and I was feeling good. And I was putting in back-to-back-to-back big days. Uh, a couple weeks before, I had run the – it was a, another first, uh, the Mammoth Trail Fest. So it was in Mammoth Lakes, California, high elevation. The course was from 8,000 to – 11 12,000 feet in elevation so day one was 17 miles day two was 33 miles and day three was the vk it was just shy of three miles but about 3,000 vertical so back to back to back days i finished that was feeling i finished fourth overall in the triple crown was feeling great was feeling fit went into mexico confident you know i knew 100k was a realm i'd never been into and i knew it was gonna be very difficult i knew there was a good chance i might not finish due to injury due to exhaustion due, due to a variety of factors nutrition and there's a lot of things that happen when you go from running 33 to 62 miles uh so i went there i went there feeling confident and uh very quickly did i find out that this this was not your average 100k race and uh, yeah, I definitely made yeah. some mistakes going through it. Uh, made a couple of mistakes leading up to it, but I'm 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 glad I did. I mean, making mistakes is is one of the best things I can do in running because now the next time I go to do one, I know I know what I did wrong and and how to improve on that. And I know I know what I can do in training to make sure the next time I attempt that distance, I can actually get to the finish line. This, so yes, I did to break to let everybody know I did not cross the finish line. I was uh, not allowed to continue on course pretty close to the end uh and that's when i left that voicemail to my brother letting him know hey i'm in another country uh in the jungle somewhere uh don't tell mom i'm uh, i'm hurting a lot right now but i'll call you the next day when i get back so let's go to that point because i'm on the couch that night and all of a sudden i get texts from hannah and i knew you were racing but had a busy night and everything and so then she goes hey have you been checking in on alex so I go to the track real quick to check in and I'm like, okay. And she says, it says he'll be there any minute now for the last four hours. I'm like, oh, all right. So maybe his tracker's not working or he might've gotten pulled by medical, but I'm telling you right now, he's not dead on the side of the trail in the middle of nowhere, Mexico. So she goes, well, that makes me feel much better. (laughs) 
And so I actually tried to stay up. That was maybe 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I tried to stay up and it kept refreshing. And then I fell asleep on the couch and wake up at like six in the morning. One of the kids wakes up and I had that voicemail from you at 2.35 in the morning, which is really not even midnight where you were, I guess. But um, yeah, it was about 12.30. It was two hours behind the East Coast at that point. Yeah. So bring us to you. You come into. I'm guessing it's a check-in station, an aid station, and they they pulled you. What happened? Timeline of events yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll kind of run it through you. So, the we, the race finishes in Puerto Vallarta, which is right on the coast, and that's where we were staying. The athletes. We got on a shuttle at three o'clock in the morning, uh, which was an early morning. Especially how, seeing how I didn't get to sleep till about midnight the night before. I living in California. I was an hour behind. I've been sleeping in a little bit leading up to the race just to get that extra sleep those last couple hours, you know, you know, try to feel really fresh. So by the time I got to Puerto Vallarta two days before the race, my body had a hard time adjusting to being forward. So even though it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning, get on the bus, it was really two o'clock in the morning for me. And I just, I could not fall asleep. So I get on this bus and I try to sleep it's about two and a half hours. They drive you from Puerto Vallarta to Mascota. You go through the mountains inland. You basically, they just drive you to another part of the mountains and you start there. So you get the Muscope at about 6 a.m. And race starts at 8. So I'm just trying to stay chill and relaxed. Uh, about 10 minutes before the race starts, we're all in the corral. I'm getting amped. I'm getting excited. They say, hey, we're not starting the race right now. we gotta, we got a delay. We have some technical difficulties. Nobody knew what was going on. I believe it was timing chips. And I'm going, wow, I'm already tired. Like, I'm yawning. It's eight in the morning. So I go into this town hall where other runners are kind of, you know, gathering and I just curl up in a ball in the corner on the stone. I put my running vest into a ball and I just try to sleep. I try to catch some sleep and I couldn't. And we go back at about eight 50. We're in the corral and I'm like, I'm kind of yawning. I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. You're about to run, you know, a hundred kilometer race and I'm, I'm exhausted. Well, the race gets going and you know, usually you wake up and, and, and you start feeling good. Well, at about the eight mile mark, I was closing my eyes for about five, 10 strides at a time, trying to like pretend I was sleeping. I was exhausted. I just, I had very little sleep the night before. And I remember being on this dirt road going, okay, I can, I can go for 10 steps with my eyes closed because I'm not going to hit a tree. You know, was, and so I was doing that. And then I probably woke up by about mile 15 and the course was, the course was difficult. I, it wasn't the elevation. It was what we were running on half of the time. There weren't trails. You, you'd be on a trail, then the trail would turn to your right, and it looked like somebody walked through the, the day before with a rake and just kind of like dragged it. And there would just be, you know, you know every you know, 25 yards or so, you'd see the pink or the yellow ribbons or a sign, and you would just – you'd follow them. And then you'd get to a barbed wire fence, and they would have corrugated pipe on the barbed wires, and you'd sneak yourself between the barbed wires to somebody else's property, and then you continue running. So very little trails at times. Uh, and then at about the 26-mile mark, uh, I linked up with a guy who I'd met earlier that morning. His name was Samir, and he was from San Francisco, not far from me. And we start this downhill. It ended up about a group of four of us, and we're moving good. We're moving fast. And when you get in a group together after a, a, a six-mile climb and you're moving downhill, you start you start going quick. And the humidity hit us like a brick. When we got into that next canyon, the, the humidity really, really started to creep in. So we get to that next aid station up the mile 30 mark. And I remember looking at Samir and he's kind of looking at me and we had this look of like, man, we might've, uh, we might've hit that downhill a little too hard, but we're feeling good. We're feeling okay. You know, and I'm starting to feel, uh, you know, feel all my, my fueling. And I had gauged 
So the the main there's eight stations probably every five to seven miles like most races and the main aid station uma was at the 38 mile mark and that's where you could leave a drop bag that's where my extra pair of shoes and socks and a shirt and all my extra fueling and tailwinds and goose and all my fun things were stationed and i had enough fuel i gauged enough fuel i figured okay i can run a 50k in about five hours and 15 minutes it should take me we'll call it seven to seven and a half hours maybe eight hours to get to uma to to replenish being at the 38 mile mark so i gauged enough fuel for about eight hours plus fueling for or fuel that was available at the a stations well i'm at the 30 mile mark and i'm empty i have nothing left i have because it was it was just taking so long to get there and i was probably at the nine hour mark at that point and i still had about eight miles left to get there so i fill up my water bottles with pepsi i grab a banana and off we go and I really struggled those next eight miles to get to the Ume station. We actually ran through a riverbed for about a mile and a half just in the water. I get to Uma, and that's the main aid station. I sit down. I change my shoes. I change my socks. I restock. I get my bag, and I have all my goose and my tailwind, and I'm like, I'm so excited because I've been living off of Pepsi and bananas for the last three hours. So what I thought would take me about eight hours at max took me about 11 and a half hours to get there. I was exhausted. I was wet. My feet were uh, bleeding and blistery. From we were in and out of water all day long, so you know my toes were kind of they were hurting. And but when I got there, I spent ten to fifteen minutes. I had a goo, and I started feeling really energized. I started feeling really good again. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to finish this race. And at the mile forty mark, I'm I got you know eight hours left before the deadline before they want to let you cross the finish line i'm like even if i have to you know go slow i got this i think i got this uh we have a lot of downhill coming up so i leave the aid station i link up with the guy who i met earlier and we start moving and we start moving pretty well we're actually running uphill and about four miles later i kind of hit another wall but that's what happens i've already hit three walls at that point anyway just eat some food get a goo in you and the group that i was with had dropped me and i remember samir yelling back you know just Get some fuel. I'll see you at the next aid station. And I figured, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. At this point, we're headlights on. And my quads are pretty, pretty burnt. And we're going downhill. And it's steep. And it's a brutal downhill. It's not, it's, even if I was fresh, had just woken up, it's not a super fast runnable downhill. I mean, you, you're moving through roots. You're moving through rocks. You, you're in these kind of like riverbeds. And I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to get a little lightheaded again. And so I start to walk a little bit. And then we can finally get to the auto road. Okay, the A station's a mile down this road, so we're going down the road, and I start running again, and then the road starts going back up, and I'm going, well, I know the A station's right here, and then a mile goes by, there's no A station, and then we keep going uphill, we keep climbing, we keep climbing, I'm like, all right, I've, I've climbed another 400 feet here, no A station, another 400 feet of climbing, another mile, no A station, and I can see far out in the distance, I can see lights way above me, way out, and I'm going, if that's the A station, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it. I'm like, no, I got it. I got it. Let's start walking. And it all started to come down right about then. When I couldn't see very well. Uh, I was getting incredibly lightheaded. Uh, this 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 woman came by me moving well. She goes, keep it up. You know, she said something about, you know, keep it up. Eight stations coming up. And I got my poles. And I'm just, I'm just trying to keep my head up. I had to stop a couple times just to try to get some deep breaths in. And I'm getting really hot. I was almost like I was getting hot in my head and like cold in my chest. I finally get to this aid station. And... I just find the first chair I can. I sit down and the medical guys just come over. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing very well, but I think I'll be okay. And he's like, all right, all right. So I sit there and 
about 10 or 15 seconds later, I don't know if you ever felt this before, but I got the hot, the hot flash that was so bad that I just, I couldn't see. And like all the sound went away yeah. and my vision narrowed and I went, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start throwing up. And, and I wish I walked away, but he saw me, he grabbed me a trash can and I let up every calorie that I had been able to get into my stomach over the last three hours had left me. And I sat there for the next two minutes, just puking and throwing up everything I could. And then I start shivering and then my whole body is shivering, but my head's hot. So I have a, they, they throw an ice pack on my head. They throw a blanket around me. They take my socks and shoes off. I'm dripping sweat. And I just start shaking uncontrollably. I'm shivering and I'm shivering and I'm shivering. And I remember looking across and this woman who was obviously waiting for her husband or her boyfriend or her girlfriend or friend to come is looking at me like going, oh my God, this is awful. I hope my friend doesn't look like this when they come through. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm sitting there for 15 minutes. Just, I can't, I can't stand up. Then all, all the cramping comes in. This is at the 47 mile mark. And then my legs start cramping and seizing in. So I'm, I'm shivering. I have ice packs on my quads and ice pack on my head. Uh, I'm, I feel cold and I, I'm just like, I'm sitting there going, Dude, I don't know if you're going to make it, but I'm like, just get through this. Just get through this. Just get through this. And I do, you know, 15 minutes later, I'm like, okay, all right, let's get a little hot soup in you. Let's get a little, little soda. We got food. We got fuel. I said, okay, I'm thinking good. You know, when you, you throw up, you think you're, you're, you're doing good for a little bit. So I puke and rally, I baby. Back on. Yeah. Puke and rally, you know, just like the college days. And so, you know, they check my blood pressure and whatnot. They're like, all right. So I put my shoes back on. I stand up and I'm like, all right, I'm going. And they're like, all right, he's going. And I made it 15 feet, maybe 20, maybe 20 feet. And, and, and just the, the, the nausea and the lightheaded came over me. And I like grabbed my knees being like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I can't cold balance. And then I just started dry heating and throwing up all over again. I dropped down on my knees. because I couldn't stand up. I just started dry heating like crazy. They grabbed me. They put me back in the chair and I just start shivering uncontrollably again. And the guy's going, listen, you, you have heat exhaustion. You need to stay here. I'm like, uh, I think I'm going to be goes, no, no, no. You have heat exhaustion. You need to stay here. So I said, okay, so let, let's, let's try this again. Let's spend another 20 minutes. After about another 20 minutes, the time it was ticking away, the brutality of the course, I knew it was coming up. They just said, listen, we're going to pull the plug on you. Like, I know you want to go, but we're going to pull the plug. And, and as much as I wanted to finish, I knew that I was going to make it two miles down that hill and and either fall off a cliff or 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 become that dead person on the side of a trail in Mexico. So I, I think the medical professionals did a really good job of saying, "Hey, like we're going to call it here. You're done. Uh, let's not injure yourself." And, and at that point, I mean, I I wasn't thinking very well. I didn't even know what I had on me for fuel. I didn't know if it was water or soda, or if I goose or if I put the right foot on into my left shoe. For all I knew at that point, so I said, "Okay." Uh, and then at that point they're like, we're, we're going to get you down. We're going to get you over to a hospital. You know, let's, let's, let's get some fluids in you. And I said, well, you know, what else was supposed to do? They're telling me I'm, I'm getting the ambulance. So I got in the ambulance and that's when I gave Eric a call, uh, and just kind of be like, Hey, listen, you know, um, I'm going to go to this hospital. They're going to put some fluids in me. I'm feeling a little better. But it was one of those things where every 30 minutes it would come over me. Like, and it would hit me in a wave. And, you know, I'd be sitting there going, man, I should have gone. I should have kept going. And then 15 minutes later, there I am throwing up again. Uh, granted, I uh, love this about public or private hospitals in Mexico. When they rolled me in, the guy said, well, hey, you know, I need, I need your uh, 
I need your insurance card. I was like, dude, I don't have it. I'm running. Here's my phone. I have a picture of it from my trip a couple months ago. And he goes, oh, we don't accept that. So we need 30,000 pesos as a, as a, you know, down payment to come in. I'm like, well, I don't have like, dude, I don't have any credit cards on me. He was like, can't let you in. So I looked at the uh, ambulance driver. I'm like, do I have to go in? He's like, well, not really. I guess if you don't want to. So if I don't have to go in, let's get me out of here. I'm going to Uber home. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can't Uber home. So they drove me back to the race headquarters where they had the medical tent uh, at the finish line. And they dropped me off there. And I spent about 15 minutes there with the head medical uh, professional there. Just kind of oversaw me, checked my blood pressure, made sure I was looking good. And I could stand. Uh, I wasn't feeling well. And I, I, I maybe lied to him a little bit, told him I was feeling better than I was. And he said, uh, you're good to go. So then I took my phone out, got an Uber back to my apartment and took a shower and and uh, and and started the recovery process. So just so everyone knows, 30,000 pesos <laughs> is a little under $1,600. It wasn't ah. much. But I, I, it wasn't much. I just didn't have a credit card on me. And if I, if I didn't need to pay money, I was because I knew mm. what's going to happen. I'm going to go in there. They're going to throw a bunch of fluids at me. They're going to make me sleep the night. I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to charge me a bunch of money. So let's mm. just go home yeah, and do that. I agree. I, you know, so I was actually kind of thankful that they let me do that. And one of the, the beautiful things about races, especially with a company like UTMB, is your registration covers all those medical costs. So having the the medical providers at the aid station, that was covered. Getting the ambulance ride back down into the medical tent was all covered for. So I don't know a set that was all part of uh, the race registration fee. So, so that that's was nice. Great. The last thing I wanted, the last thing I wanted was a big medical bill just for putting myself into a. All they're going to do uh, is give you an IV thing. and maybe you know one pill exactly. oh you feel better now great that was fifteen hundred dollars uh-huh yeah yeah um and you know the next day might have been five you know, bags of IVs. one of my really good friends adam who is a professional and runs you know he has this thing where he calls it he says you know uh anytime you think if you can't go on think about it how are you going to feel in one hour how are you going to feel in one day and how are you going to feel in one week so if you're sitting there going i want to quit and you go well in one hour i'm going to be mad that i quit don't quit. And if you if you're thinking about quitting and you go, well, how am I going to feel in 24 hours? I mean, mad that I quit. Then don't quit. And same thing for a week. And I use that a lot throughout the race. So if you get tired, it's like, oh, I feel like I want to drop out. It's like, no, 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 because in a day you're going to regret regret it. Well, that next day, I kind of was on the fence. I'm like, you know, could I have kept going? Like I was I was delusional. I was throwing up. The you know heat exhaustion really hit me. I was like, but could I have kept going? Well, I happened to meet and run into Samir, my, my friend that I met on the hill. And I and I chatted with him and he had he had finished in 18 and a half hours, had barely made it across the finish line. Uh, so seeing the state I was in, I probably would not have even made the uh, the cutoff. And supposedly those last 12 miles were the most difficult 12 miles of the course. So at this point, I'm going, okay, I don't hate the medical providers so much for not letting me continue because it probably would have just, uh, I, may, I may have made a mistake. I may have tripped. I could have fallen. I could have actually seriously injured myself at that point. So I'm very glad that they, they did what they did. And, and uh, I still PR'd the longest I've ever run. It was uh, 47 miles. It took me just shy of 14 hours to get to that point. And now I had gone to this race. I felt fit enough to run a 12 hour, 100 K. Good for and, you, man. <laughs> uh, talking to Samir, he had said the same thing. Yeah. He said he was, he was aiming for about a 12 hour, hundred K. Uh, and then once he'd gotten down to Mexico and tested out the course, he'd kind of reevaluated thinking, well, maybe we're more at about a 14 hour, 100 K. 
And he ended up finishing in about 18 and a half hours. So it just goes to show the brutality of this course and and what it did to a lot of people, especially somebody like me who who had made a mistake with fueling, who had made a mistake with pacing, uh, who had made a mistake with with getting their sleep under control a couple of days before. All of those three things really cost me crossing that finish line in this race for sure. That's epic. <laughs> that That's story just a bonkers was, story, dude. <laughs> That was more than I was expecting. This is the first time, oh by God. the way, I've heard this story, Erica. And and when yeah. mom and dad and Hannah and everyone else listen, it'll be the first time they they hear the story too, because you have yet to share this with us. And I'm I'm really happy you waited to share it on the pod. And it's nice. On the runs exclusive, yes. Oh, I mean, and that's those are just the main challenges. I mean, there was there was a lot during that race that I had never experienced before in my life. I mean, running in the heat for that long was new. Running in rivers. I mean, normally you cross a river, but running through rivers and down river beds was amazing. Um, I, you know, I, I had it gauged, you know, with the heat, chafing becomes a bigger issue. And uh, I had I had used up all my Vaseline. I remember at like the 30-mile mark, just every time somebody walks by me or I walked by them or, or ran by them, I'd say, Vaseline, you know, most people weren't English. There's very little English speakers. And one guy was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we're running. And it gives me Vaseline. And I'm like, oh, you just saved my life, you know. And funny story, you know, I'm probably at like the 36-mile mark. And I was chafing so bad. I'm looking around. And there's even – there's nobody around me. I'm like, great. I pulled my pants right down to my knees and started jogging with my pants around my knees because the chafing <laughs> was just so bad. And the heat had got me. And I had never dealt with that. I never in my life had had chafing issues before. And here I am, 36 miles in dirt dirt trail in the middle of Mexico with my <laughs> pants around my knees trying to run. You know, that was a new challenge I hadn't had. The the aid stations weren't what I was used to. I'm used to energy gels and goos and blocks and soda. Here, we, you know, we, we had chips and bananas and some of the stuff, but there was no goos. There was no blocks. There was no tailwind. It was just Pepsi and water and some Gatorade. There was some some soup. There was some tacos. And I was like, that was a new experience. So there were so many new things coming at well, Mexico. You got to have tacos. Yeah. There were so many things coming at me all the time that like the whole race, like I don't listen to music when I'm racing, but like for 14 hours, my mind was constantly just problem solving, you know, trying to calculate speed and pace and food and water and heat and chafing and whatnot that, I mean, it wasn't, even though I didn't get a finish, it was one of the most unbelievable running experiences that I had had and, and getting to that distance uh, was was super cool and super fun and and I'm very excited that I made it to 40. I think it was just shy of 47 miles and moving for. I mean, whoever thought that you could move like that for 14 hours? I mean, three years ago, I, I would have laughed at you. You said, "Oh, you're gonna go do a race in the Mexico Mexican jungle and run for 14 hours." I'd be like, "You are <laughs> you? What are you smoking? Like, there's no way." And now here I did it, and then. You know, there's that really dumb me, you know, two days after the race, I'm sitting there on a beach cabana, you know, eating ceviche and drinking Pacificos. And I'm sitting there on ultra sign up trying to find the next hundred K to go do and finish. And I'm just like, what are you doing, Alex? Like, but, but that's running, you know, that's the experience. I, I think the, uh, for me, running is more about the adventure and the experience than, than say, you know, the time I was never, I'm not going to be a pro runner. I never was. I was never a racer. It's more about just can I finish? It doesn't matter if it takes me eight hours, 12 hours, 20 hours. It's can I get to that finish line and can I make it through all the battles and challenges that get me there? So, you know, this race, it hit, it hit every aspect. It was, it was fun. It was brutal. It was long. It was hard. It was hot. It was difficult. And 
even though I didn't finish, yeah, two days later, I'm, I'm on ultra sign up looking for the next race to do. <laughs> That's what that it's like. an insane story, man. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I just can't. It's a teachable experience. So you learn something. That's great. And the fact that you want to go back for more, that is just like number one runner. <laughs> like it is ingrained in you. I mean, uh, I'm I the mean, same way. What's next? What's next? Yeah, it's like I well for me, what's next is 100k. I, I want to get that distance done, and you're gonna get it. You know, I, I I came back. I spent the week in. I spent a couple of days in Mexico afterward, just enjoying myself and, and eating mm-hmm. good food and getting a tan. And I I landed in, in California in snow in the cold, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess you have to wait until next year to get this 100k done. Like. You know, like it's ski season now. You can't run in the trails, but you know, my, my buddy, Frank, Franco, my coach's brother, uh, he hit me up was like, Hey man, Sean O'Brien, I'm doing the 50 K and it's, it's in January. It's in Malibu. They got a hundred K too. And I'm going, well, okay. What are my options? I, I sit and I sulk about this for the next, you know, couple months. And then I wait till April comes and the snow starts to melt and I start running. And then I, I train cause I, I don't run much in the winter. I take the, the winter off to, to ski. So I stay mm-hmm. in shape, but I'm not running. I was like, all right, I, I can aim for a July or August race. I'm like, do I want to wait that long? Do I want to spend another year doing this? Or do I just sign up for this hundred K in January? Do I get running and just extend my season two and a half months? You're already there. You're already fit. You're the fittest you've ever been. You, you can run longer and harder than you have in your life. Let's just keep it going. So what's a little extra, yeah. right? <laughs> what, what's an extra two and a half months? Uh, and mm-hmm. maybe this one won't be as hot. <laughs> it's going to be in the same time zone. Uh, so yeah, I signed up for the Sean O'Brien 100K it's end of January, uh, right, right outside of Malibu, uh, Southern California, and yeah, I got a. Uh, I've never, I haven't had a gym membership in in ten years because I've had a gym at my house, but no treadmill. So I bought a gym membership. I am on the treadmill. I actually went running in the snow yesterday just to just because I could because the snow was packing mm-hmm. down, and I'm in the sauna. I'm, I I know how to fight the heat, so I'm gonna be sauna training as much as I can. Uh, I got a really good plan of running to follow to kind of continue building on what I had. Uh, and I know the mistakes that I made leading into UTMB and I'm going to do as best I can to not make those mistakes leading to the Sean O'Brien. And hopefully in January I can knock the 100 K distance off the, uh, off the list and then take a nice little rest. Uh, and then right back into it. I've actually, I'm going to be doing a couple of races with a buddy in March uh and then in may so i really feel like there's no off season for me this year um but i'm excited about it i'm excited to see what will happen good for you man you are just freaking nut i just uh i like to do races but i can't even imagine doing that kind of like crazy shit that yeah, it was so funny. Some of these, I mean, these trails weren't even trails. It was almost laughable at times. You're just like, this isn't, this isn't real. When you this just got a- to the part, you got to the part about like having the, to go through the fence with the barbed wire. I'm just like, okay, at what point oh. do you say, where am I? What am I doing? This is a bad idea. Ugh. It it definitely, Nuts. yeah, I mean, there was, <laughs> I'll send you guys some videos too. Um, the <laughs> Good whole content bar- the coming whole, for you, Newt. Bring the, the whole content. The barbed wire thing was, was really funny. Um, here, I'll send some pictures of me at the, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm sending a ton of things you can have. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the barbed wire fence was really cool and interesting because it was most, most of this race was on public land. 
so you would get to a trail and there'd just be this barbed wire fence and they would have corrugated pipe on one barbed wire, corrugated pipe on the other, and then strings pulling it apart. And you shimmy through the barbed wire <laughs> oh, no. fence and then you plop out on somebody else's farm. And then you just see like, you're like just on, on a field, like going up hill and you see a stake up there. Like, oh, I guess the trail goes that way. And you just start following these signs and, and like then maybe a mile later you get to a real trail and you'd be on this real trail again for two or three miles and then the, the trail would go to your right but the signs would point you to the left just down like bramble and you're like oh and you go down that <laughs> and then in a half mile you get into a riverbed a dried up mm. riverbed and then you'd run the riverbed and then the riverbed would end up at somebody's barn and the barn was the aid station i mean it was rural jungle of mexico uh, it was, it, it just it was seems like so many opportunities to get lost. And that is where that is the thing that's keeping me from doing trail races because I'm terrified of getting lost in that kind of stuff. Like I am not good with mountains. I don't have a lot of experience. I mean, I can change that, but I just haven't yet, but uh, I am not very directionally like I'm directionally challenged. We'll put it that way. <laughs> if I'm off trail, I'm screwed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, opportunities in trail racing to get lost. I've been lost before, mm-hmm. granted, never for too long. Uh, there was one point in the race where the we were on a, a dirt road, and then we, we veered right into a field. And I see these people you know, in front of me. They didn't take the right. They take the left, and they're going downhill. And I get there, and I'm calling out. I'm like, hey, hey, this way, you know, and then they yeah. turn around and um i actually before the race i had uh, a friend from tahoe who was down there racing as well she was racing the 50k and some of her friends were there so we connected and i had dinner with this uh uh gentleman named alex who's from also alex who's from washington who he ended up taking second place in the 100k and he missed the turn as well he, he potentially could have won the race where he was having a really phenomenal day and at one point in the race just put his head down and started hammering uphill and didn't see the turn to the right mm. and made it i don't know a half mile or so up the hill that uh that um he then finally uh turned and got back on the course sorry hold on louis vomiting my dog is puking everywhere. Louie. Oh, no. Everywhere? Is he outside? No, he's on the carpet, and I just, uh, I, I just don't know if he's here, okay. Give me two two minutes. Louie. Louie. Come here. Come here, Bubs. Come here. Come here. Do you oh, need to go outside? I wonder if he got into something. Mm. He did get in the trash this morning. Uh, uh, the neighbor's trash. A bear broke into their their bear bin and got all their trash. And Sorry, I just, no, 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 no. I'm doing a podcast with my brother now. Um, is it just right here? No, it's on. It's by, in the living room. I don't know. So it's right there. Okay, so it's just these two spots. I don't know. Okay. All right. Poor dog. Okay. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so he totally could have, you know, had a had a better day. <laughs> but, but he got lost. Can you hear it? Yeah, we're playing Louis' song. Yep. Okay. All right, about. <laughs> Sorry. That's that's how I named my dog. Yeah. Really? Because of the song? Yeah. Because of, of that exact song. Yeah. So, how, wait. How is Louis? What's going on? 
The listeners uh, want to know. This is this is going to make the pot. <laughs> well, my dog was just throwing up downstairs, so I had to go tend to him really quickly and get him outside so he could throw up outside. Uh, <laughs> one of the, the oh. bear boxes of my neighbors got broken in by a bear last night, and this morning I caught Louie eating some of the remnants outside, so I'm not quite sure what, what yeah. he got in there. Erica, we'll wake up in the morning, or, or actually Alex will wake up in the morning. It will be lunchtime here, sometimes even later. And we'll get uh, in a family chat messages from Alex of like a bear right outside his door. Wow. There was, didn't you have the video of a bear walking into a grocery store? What? Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he almost got there. He walked, uh, he walked right next to the automatic doors. And then when they opened for him, it scared him and he ran out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, wow. it's bear country out there, but the bears are fine. He, they're, they're, more, real, yeah. they're more scared of you. Yeah, we actually we encounter bears on trails out here in California all the time while like, running. Uh, uh, yeah, I've uh, on mm. a dozen or so occasions been running, and then all of a sudden, right in the front of the trail is a bear, and they they are more scared of you than you are of them, and they run off as fast as they can, and they go. Uh, but yeah, it's always fun running the trails out here, and you look at the corner of your eye. And actually, there was a there was a day. A, a week or two before the race, I was just going through this easy run, and I'm running, and this couple comes up to me like, hey, hey, there's a couple bears up ahead. I said, okay, cool, no worries. And I keep going, and it wasn't right up. It wasn't up ahead. It was 15 feet from me. It was a mom and three cubs, and the cubs oh. were on the tree. There's your the code brown. So, yeah, yeah, right. That's my code brown. I almost code brown because I – I kept going along the trail slowly, but it was perpendicular. And the mom actually, she didn't charge me, but she did the two or three step, like, I'm going to get you if you keep coming closer. So uh-huh. I went I went far around, <laughs> you know, and, and went off trail and then continued moving on. Uh, that was I, really fun. See yeah. Uh, no need to, to interrupt you and your bears. I'm, I'm going to go off trail for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you told us before that you have some good code browns. I, we're we're going long, but I think we got to get one in here. We are on the runs. <laughs> I already told him he gets his own episode now. Ah, fantastic. Well, I mean, I have a series of of. Uh, there's always a code brown. I've actually I'm at the point where I always run with napkins or toilet paper. Anytime you go smart to thing run, to do. You have to, especially <laughs> in the long run. There's GI issues. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, so always, always, always bring some toilet paper or something of sorts. This has happened just like a month ago, actually. Uh, I wasn't going on a long run. I was going on a short run. Uh, right out of my house, I live on a trail system, and I had made it maybe a half mile when I went, hmm, you might have to go back home real quick before you, you complete this run. So I, I turned off the trail to one of the streets, and I only had maybe – I don't know, half mile to get back to my house on the road and I'm running. And then I get a quarter mile farther and I go, dude, there's absolutely no way you're making a home. Your home is, is 0.3 miles away, but you're not. You can see the door sometimes and you can't even get there. You're like, the door is right there. Come on. Yeah. So been there. granted where I live, luckily it's, it's, we're in the woods. There's not a lot of homes. And I see the spot where, you know, it's an intersection and there's three homes, one on kind of each corner. And then one lot is empty. So, Oh, great. Perfect. Perfect. There's some trees. So I just run over in there real quick. Go right next to this tree. I just, you know, pull my shorts down, crunch down and I go to the bathroom. It was amazing. It was like, Oh, thank, thank God. I was not going to make it to my house. 
And then I look up and on the back porch of the house, only 30 yards from me, staring right at me is this guy. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. But then I realize he's not looking at me. He's looking at his phone. He's sitting, it's 630 in the morning, drinking his coffee on his back porch, reading something. Probably taking a picture of you pooping on the trail. Right at, right at me. (laughs) And so I go, he hasn't seen me yet. It's all so over TikTok. I, in, in my squat, I slowly just maneuver myself to the right about 10 feet, just a little here, a little bit, a little bit, just to get out of his view, to then find something to try to clean myself up with. And then to slowly sneak away out of this guy's yard back onto the road. Now, I still just – I don't think he ever saw me. I'm, I'm 99% positive. He was he was reading the newspaper on his phone. But all he was this taking a had, picture. had to do was – put his phone away and look out into his backyard and on the edge of his yard would have been me crouched down next to a tree, taking a poop at six 30 in the morning. And I don't know what he would have thought was going on. Did you go back? Did you Uh, go back to your house since it was only like a third of a mile away and change or clean up? Yeah. I I went and continued to go to the bathroom and then, and then clean myself. And then I went forward with my run at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very good sometimes. Like I have my coffee and I'm like, let's go run. And then I'm like, you need to wait 10 more minutes into the bathroom and then go for a run. I want to get going sometimes. It's not the first time my early morning run has turned into a, a, a finding pine cones or leaves. to, to, to take <laughs> Use a pine cone. Forward. You know, sometimes you're in the woods, you got to use whatever you can find. Desperate measure. <laughs> I, I would, I would forfeit the run said, and just take the quarter mile back to the house, limit the chafing possibility there, jump in the shower and clean up. Wash the shorts. I, I had a running coach. He told me once, he's like, yeah, you know, if you don't have anything, just grab a bunch of dirt and use your hands and just get rid of it. And then just, just, just don't eat with your hands for the rest of your run. Ew. Yeah. You're also going to, this is the same guy. This is the same guy. Who That's worse. Run a six minute mile at the same time. So oh. skills. I don't know. Pine cone or dirt? I'd probably... Oh, no. I would, uh, I would have to go pine cone because uh, I don't want dirt in there for the rest of the day. Uh, dirt is more chafing. No, you're going to get... Some of the pine cones are, are old, and the old pine cones work really well. It's the new, fresh, green, sappy ones you don't want to use. <laughs> this is the first. I didn't even think of those. I'm thinking of the brown, like, crispy ones. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Save save your other ones for later. This is okay. Yeah. I want to explain something to everybody. Yeah, we want to hear about the uh, your next race, how your next hundred goes. hundred wa- K. I just wanna yeah, and I wanna explain. Alex and I were on the phone last night very briefly, and then I'm like, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Erica and I are recording. We can get you on for twenty minutes and tell us the the story about the voicemail. We have been recording for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> We've gone a long... I told you I could talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, His own I... episode. We, <laughs> we, have, we have our next guest. Here we go. All right. We're going to put you on the spot here. We do... You know this because you're a dedicated listener, I'm sure. I've, I've listened to the podcast. Oh, yeah. So I find a photo on Instagram. It is you, you're skiing, and you have a parachute go it's spring in tahoe the magical time of year when you can combine skis and parachutes for the most ultimate fun most ultimate fun can't disagree so 
we we failed to mention in the uh, beginning of the podcast, but you like to jump out of airplanes too. Love jumping out of airplanes. It is a uh, it's a great weekend hobby for me. What don't you do, Alex? <laughs> what don't you do? <laughs> I, I don't finish hundred Ks as of yet. That's what I haven't done. So okay, all right. <clears throat> yeah, I started skydiving in twenty fifteen. Uh, it's kind of New England and Maine, and it's just been one of those fun things I've continued to do over the years. And when I moved to Lake Tahoe, I got into paragliding, which then slowly got me into speed flying and speed riding, which is a small parachute that packs up nice and you can hike or run. The ultimate goal for me was to use it as a form of run to the top of the mountain and then fly to the bottom and then run to the next mountain and then fly off that to the bottom. I thought it was going to be this ultimate runner flyer combination guy it didn't turn out that way speed flying and speed riding is is as for as fun as it is and as amazing an experience as it is it's quite dangerous uh and i have a i have over the years uh changed what i believe is is worth the risk so i stopped speed riding probably two or three years ago but you do get to the point where you can you can use it with your skis so you you hike with your skis to the top of a mountain and then, yeah, you put a parachute out behind you and you start skiing down and within a couple seconds you are airborne and now you're flying. And then you turn yourself back to the mountain and you start skiing down a little bit and then you go off a little cliff and then boom, instead of falling to the ground, you're, you're flying again. And it's, it's quite the sport. It is quite fun, but it, it's high speed and high consequence. So I, I haven't actually been speed flying in a couple of years, but I still skydive as much as I can. Um, there was this race I thought maybe one day I would love to do. It's called X Alps where it's paragliding and trail running combinations where you have to complete this course and you have to, they have these super small paragliders that they'll pack up into their backpack and then they hike run up to the top of the next mountain and they fly across the valley and they land somewhere else. And then they, they travel to the run to the next spot. And it seems like the most ultimate like transportation, you know, foot and flying race ever. It sounds like a good time. Red Bull X Alps is what I believe it's called. Erica. That makes a little more sense with the Red Bull thing. <laughs> yeah. They do all kinds of extreme shit. So, <laughs> Erica, it sounds like, you know, those logical steps you mentioned, eventually one point paraglide ultra racing will be in that logical line of steps for you. I'm missing a few. Like I need to, I don't know. I don't know where in between I would need to go before I did some of that stuff. We just got to get you on a couple couple short trail races some 10k 15k trail races and then once you start running up hills and running down hills you're gonna realize why would you ever why would you ever run pavement if you can run a mountain <laughs> how many jumps do you I have crush pavement that's why i can crush it <laughs> i have just shy of 500 skydives oh i thought it would have been like 2000 by now it's expensive <laughs> <laughs> right. i mean yeah, so is running. I used to think running was cheap, and then you get into it before you go. You're going through four or five pairs of shoes in a year and fueling and races and flying around. Before you know it, running becomes quite an expensive sport as well. I can attest to that, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. So, Alex, uh, we have a Spotify playlist, and we ask all of our guests, since now you're an official guest, uh, if they want to add a song, anything that pumps them up, pumps you up, just get you motivated. I know you said you don't listen to music when you actually run on trails, but what song would you add to our playlist? Well, I actually, I listen to a lot of music when I run. It kind of changes here and there. 
mm-hmm. in racing in racing I, I won't listen to any music i want to be in the moment as much as i can i actually listen to a lot of podcasts i've listened to on the runs while running right. uh i if it's a hard workout generally a lot of hard intense workouts i don't listen to music because it's cheating uh but if i had to add a pump up song one probably the go-to one if i really needed to like get going it's uh joker and the thief by wolf mother oh very nice yeah good that is like my go-to i'll put that on like when i'm getting ready to go into the gym or maybe like before a race Uh, or if i'm just going on a nice long run and maybe i just want a little bit of a, a power boost going up the hill I'll put Joker and the Thief on on repeat for like five rounds and just <laughs> go and go and go. That's that's my one. If I could add one song, I mean, minus every song on the new Taylor Swift album, I would say that's it. It definitely does get you pumped up right here with the drums. Yeah. That's a good one for the Spotify playlist. Excellent choice. But, but 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 I don't start the workout there. I wait until it's. Hold on. So it's like ready. Now. Right when it That's drops. when you go. Yep. Yep. Nice choice. And if you play That's that a great song. Like thirty minutes, you're gonna crush. It's just. That's a good addition to the playlist. This turned out to be yeah. a great ep- interview that wasn't even supposed to be an interview. <laughs> it was going to be like we'll a bo- it. it was going to be like a bonus feature for mom to hear on the airplane to Disney World or something. <laughs> well, well, like mom will attest, uh, she said I started learning how to talk at eighteen months and never shut up. So, you know, <laughs> I'll talk as long as you need me to. Well, we'll have you on again. What What is the race in January, right? Yeah, the Sean O'Brien. It's in uh, Southern California. It's just outside of Malibu. And they have a couple different race distances. And I will be going for the 100K race distance uh, one more time. I'm going to give another go here. Nice. Good That's luck. Good luck to you, dude. We'll be, yeah. we'll be following and tracking and... Um, you know, I won airline tickets a couple of weeks ago, so maybe I'll use those to go out to one of your races. We'll see what happens. Yeah, hope, hopefully the voicemail this time says, hey, I finished. Hey, can you tell mom I finished this time? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. You awesome. know what? Well, hey, it's I, great to I, be on the show. Love listening. Love everything All the Runs has been doing. It's, it, it's great to see see the community you guys have put together. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to come back on soon, hopefully after I finish that next one. Well, um, You're more than welcome. The next time you're home, we'll do uh, th- the three of us in person one, like around the around the table type of thing. Perfect. Or for a run. We'll do it on, have you done one on the run yet? Well. No. <laughs> I don't think they, they do want have to hear those it. little uh, things like you can attach a little mic to yeah. your, your clothes and we can do that. Yeah, I don't know if they want to hear me going, uh, so, like this one time. So we'll have to run slow. It's okay. <laughs> All day pace. Conversation pace. Yep. Hey, thanks, bro, for coming on. Mom's going to love this. Hannah's going to laugh. Dad's going to give me the thumbs up, like the like button on Instagram. or Yeah, on, yeah, uh, that, that, yeah. that's a lot. You'll get that out of Dad. That's, that's Dad's. Sure. The thumbs up. Good, inter- good, good episode. So, um, DJ Terry. Well, thumbs up. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Alex.
Thank you, Alex, for coming on and finally telling us what the hell happened at your race. And I just got to say, you were like a wild man. Just all of that stuff you do, the crazy extreme sports, good for you. And I know that you are going to hit that 100K pretty soon, 100 miles. Just keep reaching for those stars, man. You got it. That was a lot of fun. It really was. And it's really going to make my mom happy. I'm really happy mm-hmm. we did it. So originally when I said, come on, he was like in no rush because he wanted to wait to the next race. But we did it. It was fantastic. And I think he has a lot more to share with us. So next time he's mm-hmm. home, probably sometime in the summertime, we will uh, manage to get something in person. And that will be after his 100K. So that was great. Yeah, man. A DNF, it makes you stronger. So keep it up. Yeah, nice job. Good DNF. You know, some people, bad ultra running advice page, they would be <laughs> proud of you. Very, very, very oh, proud definitely. of Oh, definitely. And the fact that he crapped himself right in front of some dude. <laughs> he's like, no, the guy's the guy's reading the news on his phone. I'm like, no, he's taking a TikTok right now. He's making a video. Mm-hmm. He'll find it on the TikTok. One of us. One of us. Have you ever had a close bear encounter, by the way? No, I've never seen a bear anywhere up close. Never seen a bear up close. Okay. Well, not, I mean, apart from like a zoo, but like never in like the wilderness. I've seen them enough here in New England, but I've never gotten as close as him. They get real close. Like they come right up to his door or his deck. They got the, the bear box. Remember he said Louie got in the bear yeah. box and Louie got sick. So that was that was a fun interview. A lot, lot, lot happened there. So um, Yeah, seriously. Hey, did you check out the Red Bull X Alps trailer I sent you? I did. That looks intense. Can you believe that? So what? It's Salzburg to Monaco? Yeah. How many? It was like 860 kilometer like adventure race. I, oh, that is, that is cool shit. I sent you a documentary. I haven't watched it yet, but it's like a 50 minute documentary on last year's okay. race. So. The way the trailer looked like to me is you run up these gigantic mammoth of a mountain and Mm -hmm. then you paraglide down and then you keep running up another mountain. That's what it looked like to me. And then the ending was so cool because you come down in Monaco and you have to land on a platform. You're paragliding down. (laughs) You got to land on a platform and then you win the race or you finish the race. And they only have like 30 athletes a race. Maybe that was wrong on that number. But. That sounds right to me. Yeah, that is that is intense stuff. It sounds super cool, though. I can't wait to watch that video. I think if Alex ever did that race, that is something <laughs> I have to attend. That's one you yes, can't miss. But I feel like he he's one of like the rare people who can do all of that. He can paraglide. He can hike. He can run. He, and I wonder I don't, how I don't know you qualify sure there's other for that st- race. <laughs> I wonder how, how you, do you qualify? Yeah. Oh, no idea. You know what we gotta we gotta have someone who's done it on the podcast one day. That is that's like a cool goal. Okay, we'll watch the video. We'll watch the documentary. Get a li- get a list of everybody on and see if we can message. How cool would that be? Too cool. All right. Well, not to keep everyone long, but we got a couple quick oh, yeah. thank yous to do. This has been an amazing year. It has been a blast. We are thirty five episodes in. If you think of it, you and I have been on a roll here. Mm-hmm. We rebooted the podcast on episode five. Our first three were mm-hmm. our first three. Episode four is lost forever. And then we kicked it off. We had to find our identity and we finally figured it out. And it's having amazing people on the podcast. So it started with Denise. 
And Denise is a, a friend of mine from high school who jumped on and told us her story. But then we really figured it out when Sarah jumped on. And remember Sarah's story about the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Marathon? Right. I need to go back and listen to that since I've actually run it now and I can kind of figure out what she was talking about. <laughs> well, you will but, hear oh, it man. next week because her story is going to open up the best of series. Yes. Sarah's story will be the first one you hear, everyone, and you'll get to hear about the Porter Potty. <laughs> and then we had, uh, you remember Dave, episode 10? Oh, our hype man extraordinaire, of course. Who could forget Dave? He was the best. Dave's the guy who... Uh, didn't really drink coffee in the morning. And then he decided to have a coffee before his Disney marathon. And <laughs> <laughs> didn't he walk in on somebody in a, in a port of body? Yeah, oh, that's right. He did. He walked <laughs> in on somebody. That's right. <laughs> Always lock the port of potty doors. If you learn nothing from us, let it, it be that it wasn't his fault because it has a green sign or a red sign. You don't have to knock all the time. If it's red, oh, you don't I open wouldn't, the door. if it was green, I would open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we had Addie, Addie's a runner. Addie is amazing. <laughs> that was our big ticket. We thought like we we asked her months before if she would ever come on. And then we said, when we're ready, because mm-hmm. we weren't ready. But that was our true first big in- interview. Yep. We were so nervous. You were so nervous going in, but I was so calm because I prepped so much for that one. And when we finished that episode, we were like jumping up and down, high-fiving. This is amazing. What a what a guess. What a story of the mushroom pasta. You are a machine, Addie. You are just so cool. The fact that you went out there and crushed that marathon even after all of that mushroom pasta. I am just blown away by you. And then we just kept rolling. We had Josh on oh, from yeah. Peloton, the Wicked Smart Zone, Megan yep. Starshack. Remember, Megan has her own nonprofit called the Great Ball Movement. Yes. Perfect. The, Megan was so fun to talk to. The story about the Target, the bike ride and having to run into Target. <laughs> yep. Scott oh, Black. And then we had Scott. The Road to Kona series. Scott Black, who... We still haven't finished the series because we had an interview lined up with him to talk about the Kona experience, and he got COVID. Mm-hmm. And now Scott's in Italy, yep. hanging out, having fun. Scott is living the life. Wow. And I am pretty jealous of Scott, except for all of his Code Browns. He has had way too many for one person. <laughs> so And not just the actual Code Brown, but the other off. oh crap moments, the crashing right. and the bronchitis yeah. and everything else, the thunderstorm he raced in, so... Scott, mm-hmm. we will even have... losing his watch. That was nuts. My watch. I would freak. I just ordered a new watch. <laughs> I did. I did. We'll talk about that on another episode. Uh, when we're back, we'll talk about my new. Once watch. you try it out and stuff, you should give us a review on it. Exactly. So, uh, mm-hmm. Scott was great. Your friend Rachel. Ah, oh, love you, Rachel. You're fantastic. She's she's become one of my BRFs, if you will, and. Yep, she's been there through through thick and thin with me and my races, and I'm trying to be there for her and hers. And we've talked about how we call some people by their Instagram handles, and that's pretty much Rachel. Rachel runs yep, for medals. She's, she's Rachel runs for medals. It just flows very easily. <laughs> then we had what is today our most downloaded episode. Mr. Mm-hmm. Neil Murphy and my parents, by the way, just listened to that episode and they came back and go, "Wow." Is that a good wow? <laughs> that was a good wow. I mean, I hate to play favorites, but that one may be my personal favorite episode just because I have never laughed so hard 
while taping. You were crying. An it was laughing, laughter, was, and tears that were. Hurting. I had snot dripping down my face. Tears, just oh, it was a. I was a mess just listening to him. So, who and, and put right, him on the docket for next year too? <laughs> right after Neil, we hit one other one out of the park with Mike Beeman. Yes, Mike had a two-parter. Mike has run in 45 straight Boston marathons. He has run for make a wish. He has the Beeman points. And now every time mm-hmm. we run, it's hot. We're like, I wonder what our Beeman point score is today. <laughs> I have tried to calculate it most of the time. So a couple other names we had, we had Katie and Callie from the anchor down. Mm-hmm. We had Michaela Shremshock. I can you now pronounce it. it. You said her name. I did. Congrats. That was a couple good code Browns. And we had Mike Dubrick, who by the way is 22nd in the world. After the 70.3 World Championships, congratulations. He is on his way to Daytona right now for the Daytona. I think you've got to press that button for a round of applause for Mark there. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. All well the done. penguins. Keep keep flipping those pancakes. That's I'll right. I'll be watching. All the penguins. Karen. Jay. Jay has been a diehard listener since day one. Tori. Aaron. Jesse. Sammy. Danielle. I know I'm missing about 20 other penguins, but the penguins are <laughs> There's so awesome. many penguins. That reached the we beach the was penguins. a blast. We met a lot of awesome people on that race, too. Speaking of penguins, did you sign up for a hamster wheel yet? I know Karen and Rachel did, so that's two Ooh, more penguins Rachel to add did? to the list. But Rachel, would she she's, do the 30? She's, she's doing the 30. I yep, have to so. sign up, and I also have to sign up for another race because guess who is doing a triathlon? <gasps> you are. Which one? No. Yes, but... No, guess <laughs> somebody no. else is who? Yes, guess who? We had a sister. On. No, she needs to though. Uh, I don't know. Miss Nicole Bryant. Oh, she is amazing. She just signed up for her Which first. One? It is in Wolfboro. It is in July, and I am going to go and do it with her. But I have to sign up too. So I got. Okay, I have right. to sign up for these races. Few other names we had. We the, the biggest thing we did this year. Oh, our breast cancer awareness month. That's right. That turned out to be an excellent series. That was awesome. We're gonna do that again next October. We're gonna do it every October. We had Nikki Bacon, Jackie Hellier, Justine and Nicole, who put on the amazing event for Jay, the five K for Jay. And then we finished off the month with Angela Paul, and Angela was amazing. You were all I amazing. Loved her. Everybody was amazing, including our most recent guest before today's episode, Tara Watt, and then my brother, Alex. I just have to say, I've had so much fun talking to everyone. All these interviews have been so enriching. You know what I mean? I I feel so happy having a chance to, having had a chance to talk to everybody. These stories are just great. So everyone, you guys are freaking awesome. Thank you for listening. (laughs) We've had amazing growth over the past year. It is so cool to see the chart and the graph climb. It is so cool to see the downloads continue to climb. It is so awesome to know that it's not just our parents who listen to support us. We, we, we get direct messages from some of you. It's amazing. We, you know, the likes and everything is one thing, but the interaction back and forth that we get is awesome. It was so cool this week, um, doing the 5k and Lindsay showed up, right? I never Mm -hmm. met her before, but it was so cool. And then just to hear the feedback about the podcast, it was awesome. So I have always wanted to do something like this. I got really lucky to find an amazing 
co-host and Erica, one of my best friends, as we talked about earlier. And we just roll and and we Stop. we did find our identity. And our identity is we having did. you guys on in the interviews because as much as I like to talk about myself, I want to hear about others. <laughs> and I want to share that with you guys. So I'm like, well, I can only talk about myself so much and they're going to get bored of that. So how are we going to keep them and grow? And having some amazing people, especially in the community on, fantastic. We really can't express how grateful we are to all of you listeners out there. So thank you for letting us do what we love to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a blast. And the reason we keep doing it is because, like I said, that graph keeps going up. And as it keeps going up, I'm like, we love the numbers. We gonna, love the numbers. It's going to be awesome. Next year is going to be fun. We're going to have some t-shirts next year, guys. So be ready for t-shirts. All right. Maybe some hoodies. We'll see. Maybe we'll get some of those Wait. sweatpants and put right on the butt on the runs. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I am not wearing those. Maybe down. <laughs> uh, I dare you. No. <laughs> uh, listen, this has been a blast, everybody. Thank you again. Happy holidays. Enjoy the holiday season. Eat tons of food. Go out with your friends and family. Go for a couple. Treat yourself. Yeah. Go on runs at the same time. You know, be careful running in the snow. You ever see that video, by the way, of the woman who's on the news and she goes, oh, I love running in the snow. It's really soft on your knees. And then she runs away and she slips <laughs> and falls. <laughs> yep. That's one of my favorites. It's a classic. I hope none of you get injured running in the snow. Be safe. Be careful. And next, Have fun. next year, you know, I, I want to meet everyone. If if you see us, come say hi. I have a plan. I haven't signed up for the races yet, but I have a plan. I want to run as many as the total image races that I can. Mm-hmm. That's my I'm goal. I'm going to try to do the same. That's right. So we're going to try to be at those. And that's that's nothing. That's like we're not brand ambassadors for them. We just think that is a place we want to be. We want to go run their yep. races. You love that girl, Christine. We know Justine and Nicole run their races all the time and many others. So those races seem awesome. They support a great cause and we want to show up to them and do the same. So mm-hmm. support local, everybody. Have a great holiday season. Enjoy our best of episodes. I promise they'll be great. Uh, I'm probably going to put out two or three. I got to work on it. I haven't even started, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> no pressure, though. <laughs> This has been great. So enjoy it, everybody. Have a safe and healthy holiday season. Hit us up on Instagram. Have a great holiday season. And we'll see you in the new year. Happy holidays. Happy new year. And don't forget to stretch. You want to hear a funny story about when I started going to the chiropractor? Yeah. So I got x-rays and they just have you stand there like you're wearing your full clothes. And he's showing me the x-rays after and I'm looking and it's, of course, like my tailbone. So it's like my my lower half. And I'm looking and I'm like, what the hell are these little things right there? Like it looked like I had blueberry looking things like in my butthole <laughs> i was like is that is that poop oh my god what you wouldn't be able to see that on a i i didn't know but i'm like i'm, I'm thinking what the hell are these like two little blueberry things they were the buttons in my jeans but it just <laughs> looks so weird on the freaking like x-ray I, I i wish i could show you i don't think i have like a digital copy but 
<laughs> just like these look so weird <laughs> little blueberry looking things anyways yeah that's all <laughs>